Welcome to another episode of the Paradigm 132 Podcast. I'm your humble and gracious host, Rashad Horn. And on today's episode, I want to speak about some information that has recently been um, disseminated pertaining to the coronavirus and its impact, especially um, on the African-American community. So, um, charts have come out. And especially in Chicago, that African-Americans in Chicago, as well as Milwaukee, which Milwaukee is north of um, Chicago, as you know, Wisconsin is north of the state of Illinois, just to give you a geographical um, text or just a geographical um, map, so to speak to kind of keeping, you know, keeping your mind. So it's stated that in, well, in Chicago, um, that roughly over 70% of the deaths due to the COVID-19 virus um, were African-American individuals. So just to kind of go back in time just a little bit, um, when I first heard about the uh, coronavirus COVID-19, whatever it goes by, you know, um, it stated that it was, at least the individual that I got it from, I got it from a financial website, well, a financial podcast, and so the individual on there was speaking that the virus was behaving in such a manner that actually Asian males were the main culprit or the main individual that obviously was attacking. So fast forward to now, um, now we have a situation where African-Americans are being affected um, in large numbers um, from different states. Uh, The state of Illinois, um, not the state of Illinois, but the state of Louisiana, mainly New Orleans, has been hit. Uh, really hard. Obviously, the mayor spoke about had they known about the you know potential ramifications, they probably would have uh, canceled Mardi Gras. Um, and what really makes me stop and think now is that one of the first things aside from them speaking that it was most detrimental to Asian men, the, one of the main things that stuck out to me was that during the whole little moment when it said, oh, well, black people, uh, they, you know, they can't get it. Their system, you know, is immune to things of that particular nature. And I tend not to think that way. You know, some people say things that somebody says and then it kicks tractions and then it it goes or whatever like that. But one of the things that stood out to me was that it impacts people with pre-existing conditions and some of the pre-existing conditions were hypertension as well as diabetes. So when I was talking to my wife, obviously hypertension and diabetes can be things that affect any and every American, but obviously when you think about hypertension, which is high blood pressure, and diabetes, you think about African-Americans, obviously. You think about it because it it seems to be 
um, we're the poster child, so to speak, for those potential diseases. So it got me to thinking. On a previous podcast, I talked about how healthy is America, Americans as as a whole. But now I want to dig a little bit deeper. I want to get a little bit more personal. And I want to talk about from an African-American standpoint. And so I talked to my wife and I told her um, that one of the big issues is the discrepancy in health care um, in rural areas versus suburban areas. And obviously, if you pay close attention, you understand that, you know, if you put your biases aside and just look at actual data, actual studies, you understand that African-Americans are in a large part still behind the eight ball when it comes to um, essential things such as health care, such as the right food and, you know, education and things like that. But I'm just mainly speaking on or just want to speak on one particular subject. I told my wife that, and obviously this is just um, my opinion based on stuff that I've read, based on um, individual research that I've done. And what I drew from that was that if we think about the plight of African Americans, one of the, the biggest thing was is that we wanted to be accepted. We wanted to have things of our own. And so the things of our own that we somewhat lay claim to are, in my opinion, are sports and entertainment, rap music, which falls in the entertainment, and soul food. And so that's what the... That's what I want to talk about. Let's talk about soul food. Um, a good brother that I follow, he said that it shouldn't be necessarily called soul food anymore. It should be called death food, right? And so the conversation that I was having with my wife was, I told her, I said, now let's put this into perspective. We have... Soul food, you know, whatever you want to put it in, you want to say it's, you know, whatever you want to classify as soul food. When I think of soul food, I think about greens, cornbread, um, some type of meat, and sweet tea or something like that, which I, I don't drink sweet tea, so I'll be more um, obligated to drink lemonade or, or maybe even, you know, a drink or something like that. And so one of the things that obviously that we as African Americans do, we around Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter, um, maybe even Fourth of July, we lay out these elaborate feasts and we say it's it's soul food and the saying is it's food for your soul. You know, it's food that uh as the old folks say, it it, it sticks to you, you know, it ain't processed so to speak, where you need multiple servings of it. You get you one good soul food plate and boom, that's it. But where the issue has come in at is that, excuse me, is that um, this particular food, based on the way it's cooked, based on the way it's prepared, is doing more harm than good. 
And so I told my wife, um, I was just thinking, I say, now, how does it look or how does it, how would it, what would a new paradigm or a new norm would be if soul food was changed from what we consider soul food to more um, health conscientious foods such as, you know, spinach, um, asparagus, um, mushrooms, you know, more fruit, things of that particular nature. Because based on studies and based on information that we have at our disposal, that would actually be soul food because that food is actually bringing life into you. It's essentially preserving your life. It is making sure that you're getting the um, all of the minerals and things that you need because that's what their purpose is. Each one of these fruits and vegetables serves a specific purpose, right? And so my wife, her answer was that, you know, it wouldn't sound right, so to speak. And when she said it wouldn't sound right, it was like it's almost comical or, you know, illogical to think about just redefining what soul food is, right? And so obviously we know that um, these foods, you know, lead to, you know, diabetes and hypertension and things like that. And I told my wife, I said, you know, a lot of times what people will say is that, hey, you know, you're going to die from something anyway, right? You're going to die from something anyway. And while that's true, and some people, you know, and they could also say that, hey, you have just as much chance you could go around, you could eat right, and you could go out there and have a car accident the next day, right? You could have a car accident the next day or you could be somewhere you get shot or, you know, just in anything like that. And, yeah, and that's that's true. And, you know, percentages and number indi- indicate that those are high percentages, right? But when we look in our community, if we want to just go by numbers and data, hypertension, stress, and diabetes and things of that particular nature, or in the South they call it having sugar diabetes, those things rank really high for numbers of deaths that we have. So while you can die from those other things, car accidents, gunshots, and things of that nature, but if we're just playing the numbers, the diet or lifestyle, because I don't like using the word diet because I always attach diet to someone that's trying to lose weight when really diet is really more so about trying to change a habit or change a lifestyle to have a better lifestyle. So I just like to say change your lifestyle because obviously if you change your eating habits, then your your mind is, is clearer, your actions are more precise and things of that nature because it goes back to the old saying, you know, you are what you eat, right? And so, um, another brother that I was listening to, he made a very interesting statement. And his statement was that, let's think about the psychology behind this. Food that is not healthy for us, we say it tastes good. 
but food that is good for us that we you know we say it tastes bad so you have to we have to work to change that psychology behind it we have to change that and it needs to be bad food tastes bad and good food tastes good now obviously of course we all know or we should all know at this particular point that um you can change um essentially play a trick on your your taste bud so to speak after a certain period of time of eating good food it it goes from being nasty to well I can tolerate this you know but it but it but it takes time and the thing about taking time and changing your lifestyle is that you have to take time and you have to be dedicated about it you can't allow for um short term things um or short term mishaps to you know get you completely off of your um mission and so I told my wife I said a lot of people are, are speaking about um you know trying to help improve the health care in these particular neighborhoods and while I agree you need to change the health care and things of that nature but I look at it from the same argument between should you have more political prowess or should you be more business capitalistic oriented? And to put that into perspective, if you didn't understand it, some people debate that um, you need to be more involved in politics, while other people debate that you should be more involved in business. I happen to be on the side of you should be more involved in business because I understand that if you have the capital, you have the resources from a business standpoint, then you can essentially get politicians and get people to work in your favor and pass laws and legislation that benefits you if you have the resources, right? So I look at it in the same way. While I look at healthcare as politics and I look at food as the business. So you can have the best healthcare, right? But if the lifestyle as it pertains to eating doesn't change, I don't really feel it it really changes anything because like I said on my is America healthy the two based on metrics and numbers the two healthiest countries were supposed to be Italy and Spain and we see that the coronavirus simply ravaged through those particular areas right so that kind of, to me, it doesn't diminish the thought of healthcare. It just puts it in a different light. Whereas if an individual, if you eat and with your gut having such a large impact on your overall health of your body, if you change what it is for your gut, then that's essentially less hospital visits that you potentially have. And so it kind of eases some of the burden on a medical, medical facilities that may be ill-equipped to, to help you because they're their last, their last chance. I remember reading in a book, I forgot what this, I forgot, I don't know if it was in California, but... Um, a man was was shot, right? Um, this was back during the segregation times. And so, obviously, he couldn't go to a white hospital because it was segregated. So, 
instead of taking him to the white hospital that obviously he couldn't, that was five miles, you know, two or three miles, down, not two, yeah, about a mile or two down the road, he ended up going to the black hospital and he ended up passing away, right? So it's kind of it's kind of like, you know, this this kind of what it is. So obviously you understand, we understand that funding is limited for um, schools, um, healthcare, all these particular different things like this. And obviously, of course, in these particular areas as well, what you have is you have a lot of processed food. Um, I was telling my wife one day, um, I went to this, I went to this uh, um, store, and the store it it cooks food, right? It cooks food, and so obviously, most fast food places and you know most mom and pop joints that you go to they fry food, right? And so I don't pretend to be a a Muslim or anything like that, but I've dramatically cut down the amount of pig, swine, whatever you want to call it. I've dramatically cut down my intake of that because I look at it and say, well, it makes me think about a story. I remember my cousin told a story because when you're you're trucking and things of that nature, you have to go get a, a DOT physical and obviously, any time you go to the um, doctor or something like that, they get your blood pressure. So he was trying to go in business. He 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 was trying to offer this guy a business opportunity to go in business with him. And so you know he had to go in and get his DLT physical and things of that nature. So what ended up happening is the guy, I guess, he really didn't want to do it. So prior to going in the night before, which. I think he was probably borderline um, having high blood pressure anyway, which, again, I attribute to the lifestyle. He had ate, like, some pork chop or bacon the night before, and so when he went in, they took his blood pressure. His blood pressure was, you know, was really high. And so, obviously, we understand how blood pressure leads to, you know, strokes and things of that nature, all of these particular things that seem to be more prevalent in African-American communities versus other communities based again on the lifestyle. So <clears throat> excuse me. So, you know, getting back to it, just really sitting back and thinking like, how do you or how can you possibly redefine what soul food is to change it from what we grew up in the African American community, what we grew up eating and changing it to more of a conscientious thing. And I tell my wife, I go back to a verse that Jay-Z had. It was on um, What's Free with he, Rick Ross, and Meek Mill. And then he also spoke about it on the uh, latest Jay Electronica album. And basically, I'm paraphrasing here, it was like my ancestor took you know, old food and made it soul food. And on what's free, he talked about, like, they gave us pig intestines, things that they discarded, and essentially we turned it into a meal, right? Whether it's chitlins, pig feet, or pig lips, pig ears, you know, I, you know, all of those particular different things, but not just focusing solely on the pig, but just so, solely focusing on food that isn't necessarily beneficial to us in the grand scheme of things. 
And so me and my wife have had discussions. She's recently told me she was, you know, thinking about slowly, slowly, um, you know, removing meat from her lifestyle. Again, I don't want to use diet, lifestyle. She wanted to remove meat from my lifestyle. And one of the things that I've noticed, um, which I'm sure this is true to a lot of people, is that it's easier to make transitions like that when if you're married and your spouse is seemingly on the same page as you are, right? And so I told her, I said, we would see, we would be on the same page, you know? I wouldn't mind doing something like that because I feel I could be selfless like that to say, okay, what I've been eating for 29, 30 years of my life, so to speak, I wouldn't have a problem making alterations to my lifestyle for the betterment of not just myself, but for the betterment of, of my children. Because, um, again, some people, you can say it's um, conspiracy theory, but some people feel that this virus is a um, a bioweapon, you know, bioweapon, whereas essentially the silent killer, where you can just write it off, which makes it a lot easier to disperse that into neighborhoods versus going in with guns and stuff like that, which will cause a extreme uproar. So you have the groups of people that, that feel that way. And like I said, I don't know if I want to just go out and say that, but again, I understand that if one of the things that is being stated about this particular virus is that people who have pre-existing t- um, conditions such as hypertension and diabetes are more susceptible, then I have to stop and say, well, yes, we as African-Americans, whether you want to say it's a bio weapon to take us out, you know, and then obviously you have the 5G theories, but I'm not, this is not a conspiracy theory. Um, podcast this is not the one for this but it's just mainly sitting back and thinking about you know changing the lifestyle you know and going against you know the grain because again like I said what you're trying to do is you're trying to redefine something that has lasted multiple generations right and I I spoke to my wife I told her I said one of the things that's real interesting about it is that we can look at our older um, aunts and uncles, and they grew up on this stuff, right? And they're living to their 80s and their their 90s and things like that. But at the same token, their children who are in their 40s and 50s, which are our parents and things of that nature, they seemingly are going down from high blood pressure, strokes, and things of that particular nature. And I told my wife, I said, well, my thing about it is, is that I know that some of the older um, generations, they weren't with all this fast food stuff like this, right? They believed in having a little garden or something like that and and having the the mindset of trying to feed yourself. Um, I remember my mother used to tell me that my grandmother, um, when they were growing up, they had chickens and, you know, and pig and you know, stuff like that. They had little stuff out there in gardens. Now, obviously, of course, those particular things 
not there um, in large numbers anymore. But you, but you have like my father-in-law. Um, you know, that's what he and um, one of his brothers. That's what they do, and that's probably something that they remember that their father and things had. You know, they had that. But obviously, like I said, our parents, which may be in the 40, 50 range, if you have parents that young, um, they may have had processed food in the same amount of numbers as they had food that someone grew from the garden. So the processed food essentially is overtaking it. That's a li- Again, this is my particular theory. That the processed food is uh, essentially um, overtaking whatever soul food, getting back to that phrase again, soul food that you were eating, you know, they were eating when they were younger, when they didn't have the um, advantage of going to get soul food and things like that. So it's one of those things where I feel like, you know, we really have to be mindful um, about that and really commit because like I said this is is a paradigm is going to change and it kind of goes back to um, one of those things where they said obviously if they can kind of get it under control during the you know upcoming summer then you know it'll be another round of this thing coming around in the fall again right but obviously they'll have data and stuff that they can test, the vaccine, you know, whatever the situation is, and, you know, they'll have it available at their disposal. But at the same time, one of the things that we have to do or one of the things that we have to have an initiative to change is the lifestyle, right? And the thing about that to me is that, which people which people can do that, but one of the things about that to me is that in certain areas, um, that's what people do. People, one of the first businesses that people open up is restaurants, you know. You know, they open up restaurants. And you're really taking a, a giant leap of faith if you're in certain communities and you say, hey, I'm going to open up a, a vegan restaurant or something of that nature. You're taking a large leap. You can still call the stuff a hamburger or a hot dog or pulled pork or whatever the situation is. You can call it that, but you're not going to pat out any meat. You're not going to go do this. You know, you're doing something different. And so certain individuals in certain areas, they don't like extreme change because that's an extreme change to go from eating a pig or eating a cow or even eating a deer, you know, in certain areas to saying, okay, no, all of this stuff is plant-based or fruit-based, you know, this this is what this is. Like, we can put it on the menu and name it that, but, you know, the taste will be a little bit different. And the thing about it is that, um, similar to how our older relatives, as they say, oh, man, they can cook. You know, they're real good cooks. You know, they know just the right way of seasoning it. That's what we have to do if we're going to make this lifestyle change. We have to make sure we know how to really cook this food because really that's what really attracted the whole soul food thing in the first place was that 
is good, but it's not good in its natural state. It's good after a person understands the right amount of salt, the right amount of pepper, um, or whatever other seasonings that they use. That just has to be the same token. So, but um, in conclusion, um, I feel that this may be eye-opening to some people, and as one of my buddies stated, some people are going to look and say, hey, I made it through this, you know, by the grace and mercy of God or whatever the situation is, so I'm fine. You know, there's no need for me to look to change anything that I'm doing. But like I said, there's going to be some that's going to look at this and me, myself, you know, I can't speak for anybody else from this as far as changing. But me, myself, um, I'm going to be looking to changing some of the things that that I do Um, because I feel that I'm relatively healthy. But at the same time, I know there's more that I could do as far as, you know, working out um, and things of that nature. Just essentially, like I said, changing my lifestyle, not putting the word diet on it, but essentially just changing my lifestyle, okay? So, yeah, that's it, you know? So, uh, subscribe to the podcast, like the podcast, uh, tell a friend and tell a friend about the podcast. And like I said, I'm always open for um, discussion because I'm always looking to get other people's mindsets and ideas about these particular different things and um we can dialogue about it you know so it's another episode of the paradigm 132 podcast see you again next week peace